This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Dear home, we need a change. A room evolution. We need HomeSense. A new store where one bold piece can change your whole place. Like a leather sofa built for beauty and binge watching. With endless discoveries, I'll always bring you something pretty or cool or pretty cool. Want a hand-woven rug? Game-changing savings mean the answer is yes. I'm going now. The new store is in Franconia at Manchester Boulevard and Beulah Street. Love you. HomeSense. This changes everything. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to the first post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast of the 2019-2020 season. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, you and I had a, I think we had a good time yesterday watching this Blackhawks-Flyers game together, which is not something we do very often. And we had a lot of different thoughts during the game, and now we want to share it with the masses. But before we do that, how's your morning going, bud? Everything's good. I am uh, happy. It's a beautiful fall day. I think yesterday was a little nicer with the sort of overcast and the breeze. A little too sunny for me today, but this is my ideal time of year. I love this time of year. And the fact that hockey's here makes it even better. Yeah, Amen, brother. You get hockey and football and playoff baseball in com- in combination with that weather and all that, oh, what a good time of year, my friend. This is the good stuff. And since we're talking about all this happy, positive energy, <laughs> look, we get it. The Blackhawks lost yesterday. We get that the Flyers probably were the more dominant team for large stretches of that game. But since we're in this happy fall mood and we're looking at the colors changing and thinking about the pumpkin spice lattes we'll be getting later today. <laughs> wait, what? Um, I want to start out. Let's talk about some positives, Jay. Let's talk about positives from the game. And since I'm in such a benevolent and happy mood, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, wow. That is very kind of you. Well, I think the obvious uh, encouraging sign is Alex Debrinkit, who scored a goal and had five shots on goal and four more shot attempts. So he was a major factor in the game. Um, that goal was set up by Patrick Kane, but it was a beautiful shot by Debrinkit to get it past the goalie. Carter Hart uh, in the what was eventually a four three loss, but um, to see him and, uh, and and I mentioned Patrick Kane who had three points of his own, just kind of a ho hum day for for Patrick Kane, um, three points in a four three loss. He is a factor in every single play 
the Hawks had. So I, I think that Dabrinkit and Kane were great. And one other guy that stood out to me, um, there were a few others, but I, I, I want to talk about this guy for at length a little bit. I think Andrew Shaw had a nice game. Um, all the things you want Andrew Shaw to do, be a, a physical presence, play straight ahead, win some puck battles, screen the goaltender on a goal, all those things happened. And yes, he did take a penalty, a cross-checking penalty. That probably wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Um, but look, when that's sort of what you live with when you have Andrew Shaw on your team, and the Hawks know that, I think the positives from Shaw way outweighed the negatives. And, uh, and, and I think that you sort of saw yesterday exactly why they brought him back and why they needed him back to piggyback on your point a little bit about Shaw I mean that obviously defending Alex DeBrincat you will certainly take that penalty over a stupid roughing penalty in the corner while your team has the puck in the offensive zone like those kinds of things we have seen from Shaw in the past but when it comes to sticking up for a teammate you know what Probably should have been offsetting penalties in that situation, but I'll, I'll go ahead and take that if it means that Shaw can uh, stand up for his guy a little bit. Also wanted to point out, guess who had the best Corsi on the Blackhawks yesterday? I it, was An- it was Andrew Shaw. Oh, well, I 68%. mean. 68%. That's, that's really solid. Uh, that not, is a good day. Did you have those numbers in front of you? I do, actually. Who, was the, who led defenseman in Corsi? I'm curious. I want you to try to guess because I don't think you'll get it. Okay, because you said that, I'm going to say Slater Cuckoo. You are correct. He tied with Dennis Gilbert. They both had 59.3% Corsi yesterday. See, that's interesting. And in the third period, um, Colladin switched Gustafson and Cuckoo. He put Cuckoo with Keith. Yep. <laughs> that's easy to say. And put yeah. Gustafson down with uh, Gilbert. So that's interesting that, that, that he had. I wonder if that surge had anything to do with it. Um, but look, I, Dennis Gilbert's a guy I want to mention horrible horrible mistake in the first period leading to the first flyers goal first he overskates a puck recovers it but then sort of panics and turns it over at the blue line and philly goes the other way and scores but i think it was like he was passing it to that guy by the way like let's not understate just how bad that turnover was that was absolutely like you said a panic stricken moment yeah and look you understand a 22 year old in his it was actually his second nhl game but the opening game of the season, you sort of get it. But I think he bounced back very nicely. There were a couple moments in the game where he knocked guys off the puck. There was a block shot he had uh, that, that stood out to me. So I think he did. Look, when you have a young player that makes a, uh, a mistake that is 100% directly their fault, sometimes you can worry about that player sort of spiraling and, and starting to doubt themselves a little bit. I think Gilbert bounced back nicely and finish the game strong. So that's encouraging that he can sort of come back mentally from a mistake that was that obviously costly. Good enough for him. It was early in the game. The Hawks were able to come back and tie it after that. But, um, you know, it's there were some good things. And I know the game was really frustrating as hell. And the fact that we have to wait now until Thursday to get the taste of that loss out of our mouths makes it a little more painful. But some of the question marks we had going into the season – they panned out. Alex Nylander had a nice game. That goal he scored was sick, and that's why he was drafted where he was, and that's why he's playing where he is. He's another guy that switched to the bottom line in the third period, and if Pat Foley said it wasn't a punishment, it wasn't. They were just trying to get a little more life out of that top line. They thought Drake Kajula could provide that spark that maybe Nylander can't. There's two different style of players, but to see Nylander score the first Blackhawks goal of the season, that to me is great. That's really great news. 
especially with that kind of skill. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. And we saw kind of an interesting thing about that goal. And I don't know if you kind of picked up on this too, but when I've watched Alex Nylander, he's the type of guy who kind of sometimes likes to skate around the outside of the ice to try to kind of get teammates involved and to kind of spread the play out a little bit. I liked the fact on that goal that instead of doing that, he went right up the middle, used the Flyers defender as a screen for the shot and got it through both him and Carter Hart. I thought that was a really, really smart play by him. Not one I've seen him make a lot of in the preseason. And if he's going to play with that kind of heads up attitude and that kind of willingness to drive the middle of the ice instead of kind of going a little bit more casual or a conservative route along the outside, I think that's going to be good ultimately both for him and for the Blackhawks. Yeah, when he's going to find opportunities there. You know, if he if he plays in the middle, that's where goals are scored for the most part. And if he's going to want to score goals, that, that's what he's going to have to do. And it was good to see him, like you said, realize that, drive to the net, not look to peel off or make a pass, but to actually attack. He's got a big – he's big. He's bigger than he looks. He's bigger than he plays. He's a guy that can maneuver his hands in traffic. That was a, that was not an easy shot to make. It was not an easy play to make. And hopefully having an immediate reward for making that effort to go attack the net like he did – Maybe that will encourage him to do it more, and he sees the results like, oh, wow, you know, if I do this more often, I'll get more goals, and I'll stay here, and then eventually I'll make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the idea of being a professional hockey player. So um, I think overall his game was solid. There were still a few moments where I saw him maybe pull – I don't. and look, I don't, I don't expect him to start crushing people in the corners or anything like that, but pull up on a hit I saw a couple times and maybe half-heartedly battle for a puck. That, that compete level has got to be at least – average right and right. and i think yesterday overall his game was, was positive but there were still a few moments of um i don't know uncertainty or t or timidness or whatever and hopefully with some time and some confidence and some growth of chemistry with his line mates that will sort of play out of his game and you'll see more consistency for 60 minutes I, I would definitely agree with that. And we obviously were talking about uh plays uh not pulling up on plays and not you know kind of coasting along the ice I thought Patrick Kane I know we talked about his three points already I liked what I saw out of him yesterday especially in the neutral zone and forcing turnovers like I noticed it multiple times it looked like he was really committed to back checking in the neutral zone forced a turnover I believe it was on the Nylander goal mm -hmm. am I remembering that correctly yep. and he yeah he just had a good all-around afternoon like I obviously you're going to focus on the points, but I love the fact that he was getting active there too. And you and I mentioned this yesterday while we were uh, sitting down to lunch and watching the game. It's just the hallmark of a player who has been around the block a time or two. And he really has kind of matured into a really smart hockey player that knows what to do in a given situation. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, you're right. There were several moments of that game where you saw his hockey intelligence come to fruition and that that's one of the one of the moments you're talking about he just sees the game you know it, it, people you say it about Wayne Gretzky is he would see the play three steps ahead right he knew if the puck goes here and I go here then the puck's going to come back to me here he just has this knowledge of the game this understanding of the game and I think that was really on display from Patrick Kane and if you watch him off the puck while he's not going to be the most ten tenacious defender you see him you know, you see him sort of searching 
for where to be and what what's going to happen. You see him looking to predict where the puck's going to come, and that's why so often out of nowhere you see Patrick Kane with the puck on his stick and the puck in the back of the net because he just has this ability to sort of predict how things are going to go. That's from being a student of the game, and this is something about Patrick Kane that I don't think he's got enough credit for. He is a real um, – he's really into analytics. He's really into studying film. He is a true student of hockey, and I think he understands it more than people think. I think a lot of people are quick to say, well, he just has this supreme skill and that's why he's an elite player. He studies and he works his ass off and he knows his opponents. He knows the league. And, you know, his preparedness is something that has been a little bit undersold, in my opinion. So I think I want to call that out. I want to point that out. And those moments you mentioned, like the one you just made an example of, that's an example of that. He knows where the play's coming, where it's going to go next, etc. More, probably more than anyone on this team. So that's why you see Patrick Kane, even at 31 years old, which is crazy to say, my God, mm-hmm. um, even at 31 years old, still his game is still evolving and growing and improving because what he's maybe losing in skill, he's making up for in intelligence, and that's that's perfect. And, and now he's having career years. It's crazy. It's not even like he's losing that much in skill. Like know, it's yeah, the fact that he's stacking the brain power on top of the skill, which is kind of terrifying for the rest of the central division in the NHL. Okay. Jay, we've had our good positive time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying a good cup of coffee. The <laughs> the air is crisp. However, it seems as though the season is changing for a guy named Duncan Keith, who looked absolutely appallingly slow and bad yesterday. Has he hit Brent Seabrook levels of slowness and the game seemingly passing him by? I don't think he's reached that level yet, Um, but it was definitely not a good game for Duncan Keith yesterday. Um, Got turned around on a, is it Konechny? I always say his name wrong. Konechny. Konechny, on the Konechny goal, just undressed. And that wasn't Claude Giroux. It wasn't Jakub Voracek. You know, it was it was a it was Travis Konechny, whose name we struggled to say. He had two goals yesterday. Good game. He's for him. a solid player, yeah. but you're right; he's not Claude Giroux. Right, and for Duncan Keith to get turned around like that is problematic. And and there's one thing, uh, not to move on from the Keith point too much, but one thing I noticed in the game yesterday, and this is something to keep an eye on: the Hawks' lack of speed is something the rest of the league is very much aware aware of. I saw a lot of flyers getting the puck stopping and going so they'd receive a puck on the board sort of stop for a second and then move causing the Blackhawks defenders to have to like either pause or restart their skating and they would just blow right by them I don't know if that was a strategic move by Elaine Vigneault to say look these are slow defensemen if you make them stop and start up again you're going to get past them easily but I saw a lot of that from the Flyers yesterday it could have just been the way the game was going but as the season goes on, keep an eye on that because I saw that happening a lot, and almost every time it happened, there was a Hawks defenseman left in the dust. So, um, I mean, <laughs> let's hope the tape's not out on how to expose the Hawks defense. But I saw that happening a lot. D- Duncan Keith was one of them. Um, but again, I think the best pair yesterday was Mata and Seabrook. By the way, Mata had six shot attempts of his own. Um, I think he had a pretty solid game while we're doing our positives. But yeah. I, th- I just think as a whole, we saw the entire, all the stuff we talked about last year of looking slow, unforced errors, turnovers, and the inability to get the puck out of their own zone. 
That was exactly what was the formula yesterday with the Blackhawks. The same stuff we saw last year repeating itself. And again, it's one game, but the problems seem to be similar to what they were last year. What I will say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to be the Dr. Phil here. I'm going to bring comfort <laughs> to Blackhawks fans here. Oh. First, first of all, I do think the forward group played better yesterday on the defensive side of things than they did last season. I do think that is an improvement. I saw a little bit better puck movement. I saw a little bit more ingenuity on the ice. And I like the fact that Jeremy Colladin kind of started shuffling groups up a little bit as the game went on. I thought that was very necessary in that type of environment when you're in a neutral site on bad ice. You just you got to do it. You got to shake things up a little bit. I appreciated that. But I also do want to point out that the Blackhawks played yesterday without Calvin DeHaan and without Connor Murphy, and ultimately, they played without Adam Boquist, too. And I think those things, when you put them all together, I do think at some point you are going to end up having a more solid-looking defense than you had yesterday. And like you said, you still had that Seabrook-Mata pairing, which, by the way, ton of defensive zone starts. And you and I had talked about that yesterday. It really seemed like Jeremy Colladin is adamant that to kind of cover up their kind of lack of speed, I guess you would say, their lack of kind of offensive punch, he's going to start them in the defensive zone more often. And I think I like that strategy because it looked like it worked pretty well yesterday. So between that strategy and the fact you're going to get a couple of guys back and at some point you are going to add Adam Boquist to this mix, I still think there is a chance that this defense is going to show at least some modest improvement. And as a Blackhawks fan, it's about all you can ask for at this point. Well, look, I agree with you. And, and you mentioned that the defense is going to get better when DeHaan and Murphy come back. Duncan Keith played almost 24 minutes last night. When when DeHaan is in the lineup, he's going to play, you know, 18, 19 minutes, take some of that load off Duncan Keith. These things are going to even out a little bit, I think, and I hope. You cannot lean on Duncan Keith in his current status for 24 minutes a night. You just can't do it. And I said to you uh, when Dennis Gilbert had his mistake, like, look, if he's going to make a mistake like that and he's going to be your defensive guy, Adam Boquist can do that too. He can force a turnover, you know, un an unforced turnover too, but he also has the ability to get you a goal or two that he creates on his own. So if you don't have a defenseman that's locked down, that's keeping him out of the lineup, and I don't see a guy like that on this roster – healthy or not, that's an absolute lockdown defender that should keep Boquist away, I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Because, yeah, he's going to make his mistakes, but guess what? Every other defenseman on the roster has made mistakes too. So yeah. I don't want to hear that anymore. Well, you know, he's accident prone. He's the one defenseman fast enough to go make up for a mistake these days. So it's time to get him here. And before we take a break and get to our three stars of the game, uh, we need to talk about Corey Crawford. Um, there were moments where he made really, really, really great saves. And then there were, what, two of those goals? You'd like to see him stop? The wraparound goal was Has to be stopped. horrible. Has he, had, to be. he had no idea it was happening. And you're coming back in the game. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to get back in the game here, and you give up that goal? That's brutal. You can't get, mm. He had no idea the puck was near him until it was behind him. That was terrible. Were they targeting that, by the way, yesterday? I saw the Flyers probably 
three or four times attempt wraparounds on him yesterday. Is that something maybe they noticed on tape that he wasn't positioning himself properly on those plays? Like that's pure speculation on my part, just something I noticed. Wanted to get your thought on that. Well, if they were, they were right because he had no clue that wraparound was happening. He was standing legs apart as the puck hit him on the skate and went behind him. Then he went to his knee and was like, oh, what? Oh, they can do that? Yes, Corey, they can do that. They can attempt to wrap around against you. Yes, Corey, that is legal. Well, and, the, and I think the first goal, too, even though it was a terrible turnover from Gilbert, it was a one-on-one matchup. It was a shot from, you know, out towards the face-off circle. He's got to stop that shot. Mm-hmm. That should be a glove save. Or yeah. something that hits him in the chest and drops in front of him. There were too many moments last night where you are like, I guess yesterday afternoon, where you just sort of said, he, he should have had that one. Shouldn't he have had that one? I, I yeah. I don't know. It was... It was frustrating. There were several moments, too, where pucks just hit him or, uh, you know, they were shot wide that he didn't seem to have any clue where they were. And look, the the defense is, is to blame for that, too. Mm-hmm. They're screening him. They're in his way, et cetera. And the Flyers deserve credit for doing the same things. But I was not pleased with what I saw from Corey Crawford last night. And I wonder if after that performance, if Robin Leonard gets to start at the home opener. I wouldn't blame Jeremy Colladin if he went in that direction. I think that'd be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And look, like you said, there were moments that Corey Crawford made some incredible saves yesterday and kept the Blackhawks in the game in the late stages. Like that, that is a fact. Like he made some good saves, but the fact that he had two of those goals that he ended up giving up on the glove hand side where it looked like his glove was just lagging behind. It was almost like it was moving in slow motion. And I know that narrative has been just beaten to death over the years but it surfaced yesterday and it's something we're gonna have to kind of keep an eye on moving forward between that and his rebound control yeah mm, i definitely am giving robin leonard a look sooner rather than later and that's not to say Corey crawford can't turn around it's the first game of the season and again it's in an unfamiliar arena and it's on bad ice with a defense that was not at full strength all of those things can be true while still giving Robin Leonard a chance in the next game. That that wraparound goal, though, it's 3-2. The Hawks are finally sort of getting some momentum in the third period. That's the one period. Well, they, they outshot the Flyers 13-10 in that period, and you s- sort of felt the momentum shifting, and then you give up that goal. It's like, come on. You know, like th- that. that's the wow, – well, that was a really effective sound you just made. I think it's the springs on my – I have like a an arm for my microphone, so I don't just like mush it all the time. I think right. it was the springs bouncing. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to compliment <laughs> no, no. you. Yeah, I, I got a Foley artist in here now. Yeah, it's a, it's a Pat Foley artist. He says racist. Never mind. Um, <laughs> oh. I know, I know. Well, I forgive. We've moved on. Anyway, all right, let's take a quick timeout and come back with the three stars of the game, and that will wrap up this extended post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because Geico gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail biter. Nope. The Geico team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, the guru of a claims team. Geico is awesome, baby, with a capital A. Geico. Great service without all the drama. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. 
it gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Get a $22 Shell gift card with a Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic Purchase. Ends 31421. Terms apply. Details at Pennzoil.com slash oil change offer. The three stars of the game are brought to you by The Barrel Club in Oaklawn. The three stars of the game are brought to you by our newest sponsor, The Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West 111th Street in Oaklawn. Join their Spirit of the Month Club by going to their website at BarrelClubIllinois.com. And don't miss it, Friday, October 11th, and Saturday, October 12th, they're hosting their Oktoberfest event. So check that out, BarrelClubIllinois.com. James, where do you want to go into three stars? I think... The way you and I discussed uh, during the uh, opening positive segment, uh, I would I would nominate my number three star as William Nylander. How about you? Do you mean Alex Nylander? Yep, I do. You definitely said William. We um, should definitely uh, discuss this before we do this. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 it's our first game, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I, I would love to give it to William Nylander, but he didn't play in the game. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to agree with you with Alex Nylander. Like we said, very good heads up, positive play that he made on his goal. Great shot as well. Really liked the way he did that. And he, if they can get him into that 25 to 30 goal range this season, that is a hell of an addition. Uh, and especially the cost that they ended up giving up to get him. Yeah, I'm cool with him as the number three star. All right, number two star, Alex Tabrinkit with a goal and nine shot attempts, the team leader in Corsi. Makes a lot of sense to me, James. Total. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And it he definitely uh, looked like the player that you gave a uh, $6.4 million a season extension to. I thought I think Tabrinkit obviously is the – you can say all you want that Patrick Kane is the superstar of this team, and he is – but Alex DeBrincat really makes this offense go, man. Like having him on the ice takes so much pressure off of Patrick Kane, and I am absolutely ecstatic to see what new development and what new real skills he brings to the ice this season. It is so much fun to watch him play. I do have to mention that he did make one pretty bad blunder yesterday that we've not acknowledged yet, where the Hawks had the extra attacker and DeBrincat just dumped the puck in. Oh, yeah. And there was no one there to retrieve it. Yeah. That's okay. (laughs) It's the first game. And the number one star, boy, we got to search high and low for this one with a goal. That's really difficult. I don't know, man. Yeah. A goal and two assists. Patrick Kane uh, is our number one star of the game. So that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be back after the game on Thursday with a full-length Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. That'll be our next full length podcast so um, unless something big happens between now and then obviously then we, uh, we'll do a special edition podcast for that but until then I want to thank our sponsors Rabbit Brewing in Homewood Illinois good luck to them they are at the Great American Beer Festival this weekend they're competing for some awards they deserve the awards hopefully Ray and Tobias come back with some hardware so we're thinking about you guys out there Marishka's in Crest Hill family owned and operated since 1933 Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. And the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. Join their Spirit of the Month Club by going to their website at BarrelClubIllinois.com. For my partner, James Neveau, I am Jay Zawoski. Thanks for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.